Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this place, the space that we get to come and learn about you and worship you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come now and fill this space. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Our Bible verse today is from Acts 2.46, and if you'll join me in reading it together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. My name is Megan Durham, and I'm the children's director here at X2. Um, I've had the privilege of meeting most of your children, um, but if I haven't met you or if you don't know me or if you're joining us online for the first time, I wanted to take a second to introduce myself to you. This is a picture of me and my family. Nick and I have been married for 12 years. He's the one in the white shirt, not the tall, hairy one on the far right. Um, and we have two kids, Kate's in second grade and Cannon's in pre-K this year. We have been members of Acts 2 since 2014. This is um, not long after we joined um, on Kate's baptism weekend. Um, and they've grown up in our children's programming, nursery programming. Um, and they were here at the 915 service. I enjoy reading, I enjoy writing, the kind like calligraphy, not novels or poetry or anything like that. And as a family, we enjoy practical jokes. You never know like when you're gonna walk into a room and see something like this or when something's gonna pop out at you. Um, Cannon is only five and he is committed to scaring people. Like he will hide in a closet with the light off for lots of minutes waiting for someone to open the door so he can jump out and scare them. We also enjoy going on adventures together. This was um, taken last summer. We went to visit family in Seattle, but we also love doing stuff just around Edmond in Oklahoma City. Before I was a stay-at-home mom, I was a teacher. And um, through teaching in Oklahoma City, um, my husband and I started a foundation that um, helps teen parents. So we, like, we help mentor them, and then we help them with the financial aspect of continuing their education once they graduate high school. I wanted to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. I am honored to be here speaking to you on Mother's Day amongst some of the best moms that I know, moms that I get to um, parent with on a daily basis, and then moms that I look up to um, who've taught me so much, who are great mentors. I know that Mother's Day is happy and fun, but I also know that it brings a lot of pain and some sorrows. I know there are women who want to be moms and they can't. I know that there are um, women and men in here who have lost their moms, um, some recently, um, that pain never goes away. Um, and to the moms who've lost children, I know there's moms here who've lost children in the last year who are joining us online um, that have recently lost kids. And I want you to know that I am praying for you. I know um, that's not easy. And this day can be a hard reminder of the things that you've lost. But um, you have a whole community here backing you up in prayer. And um, we are here for you. We are in the middle of a series on joy, how to find it, how to keep it, and how to share it in troubled times. Um, 
We are created for joy. We're born for joy. The book that this is all based off of is um, The Book of Joy, and it's written by Douglas Abrams, and he helps author it for the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And in it, they talk about there are eight qualities of the mind and of the heart that we need to cultivate in order to have joy and happiness. The first week, we talked about perspective. It's the first pillar of joy. And joy comes when we move beyond our self-interest from I and me to us and we. Scientific research found that our ability to reframe our situation more positively increases joy. We become open to joy when we recognize that our limited perspective is not the truth. Uh, The example that I gave during the children's program or children's moment that week was that um, sometimes we have to switch schools. Our district lines change and we have to switch schools and why that seems so hard and you have so much stress and anxiety about that. Um, When you step back and you look at it from a different perspective, you think about all of the new friends that you'll get to meet um, at a new school and all the kids who are doing the same um, transfer with you. And then in week two, we talked about humility. Humility teaches us that we are not the center of the universe. God is. The Dalai Lama reminds you multiple times in this book that there are seven billion people in the world. When we learn humility, we no longer have to worry at every moment, what does this say about me? When you step back and think, I am one of seven billion people, it kind of helps you put things in perspective and you gain a little bit of humility. Which leads us to week three, humor. The first two, I feel like I can train my mind around. I can learn to step back and look at things from a new perspective, or I can um, think this isn't about me and put others first. But then when I looked at humor, I'm like, wow, how am I going to learn to be funny? I don't consider myself a funny person. My family doesn't think I'm very funny. I'll tell a joke and they just kind of stare at me. Sometimes it takes me longer to admit to understand the joke that's being told. Months ago, um, Pastor Brandon was going to preach. Pastor Mark was out of town. And as we're like getting to church that morning, I was like, hey, Brandon, if you ever need me to preach, I gotcha. And then like weeks later, he was like, hey, Megan, you want to preach on Mother's Day? And I was like, oh, I was joking. I was being funny. But it obviously didn't come off that way. So then I agreed to preaching, and he told me that it'd be in the middle of this joy sermon series, and that my week was humor. And I was like, humor, Mother's Day, that's funny. So I think that joy and joyful moments go hand in hand with laughter. Like Taylor said, you laugh when, you're, you, when you have joy, you laugh. Um, I hadn't read much from the Dalai Lama or the Archbishop Desmond Tutu going into this. I've heard a lot of quotes, like one-liners. The Dalai Lama says there's two days a year when nothing can be done, yesterday and tomorrow. Um, but other than that, I hadn't really read any of like the thick book of um, their work. And I figured the Dalai Lama was a pretty serious guy. And then I started reading this, and the author describes Desmond Tutu's laugh as a cackle. And just like trying to picture what he sounded like when he laughed, it like made me giggle. Um, and they were very funny guys. Their first response to any subject, no matter how seemingly painful, was to laugh. Now, both of these men had been through way harder lives than me or anyone probably in the United States. The Archbishop lived through apartheid and racism and cancer. The Dalai Lama lived through multiple forms of exile. And the way that they led in the face of war and in death, it was amazing just to watch them turn any situation into a moment where they had joy and that they could laugh. 
Through um, reading about humor, I learned that wholehearted laughter is very good for your heart and your health in general. People who laugh are less likely to have heart attacks, and you have an easier time connecting with other people when you're joyful. Humor, like humility, comes from the same root word for humanity, hummus. Just kidding, it's humus, get it? Hummus, okay. See, I can be funny. We have to learn to take ourselves less serious, okay? Belittling humor is when you are going to make fun of somebody else to make yourself feel better. Um, and Desmond Tutu says, humor says, come stand next to me and let's laugh at me together. Then we can laugh at you together. It does not belittle either of us, but uplifts us. We don't have to belittle other people by telling jokes that make fun of them. We can tell jokes that um, lift each other up and we can just not take ourselves so seriously. Life is hard and laughter is how we come to terms with all of the cruelties and uncertainties that we face on sometimes a daily basis. He also says that being funny is something that you can cultivate. It is a skill. Learn to laugh at yourself. Don't be so pompous and serious. Look for the humor and you will stop asking, why me? And start recognizing that life happens to all of us. So you don't have to learn how to tell jokes. You don't have to try and be the funniest person in the room. You just have to take yourself a little bit less seriously and take a step back and remember that life's supposed to be fun and we can laugh and joke with each other and not at someone else's expense. So I feel like all of this joy and humor ties perfectly into motherhood. As a mom, I feel like in one day, my emotions can swing from one end of the spectrum all the way to the next. I can be in a completely joyful situation. And if you've met Cannon, you know he's kind of a little crazy and a daredevil. And so I can take that joyful, fun moment and then look for the fear in it and find five different ways that someone's going to get hurt in any given moment. And then so quickly, my joy can go to fear. Um, I can be so tired, I've given all that I can for the whole day, and then you somehow find that last little shred of energy that you have to finish up a project or do something. Motherhood's really crazy. Uh, before I had kids, I thought that the shows, like Kids Say the Darndest Thing, was scripted. Like, there's no way kids are really just, like, spitting this out on the fly. And then I had kids, and I'm like, man, this stuff is real, Okay. The amount of times I've been on the verge of tears and then all of a sudden something happens and I switch to laughter, you sometimes feel like a crazy person, but it's so joyful to have those moments. If I've learned anything through motherhood is that you can't take yourself and your daily situations too seriously. One of my favorite parts of motherhood, though, has been community. Before becoming a mom, I could count on one hand the amount of babies that I had ever held. Okay, the first, one of the first few babies I held was my own. I didn't really have any, um, I didn't have any expectations going into it and I didn't know a whole lot. I think I had a lot of unrealistic views on what motherhood was going to be like. Um, there's an article that I read leading up to this that says, oops, sorry, it's not on there. Here in the United States, many parents don't have firsthand experience before having children themselves. Instead, we often learn about burping, potty training, tantrum, tantrum control through parenting books, Google searches, YouTube videos. 
Parenting advice can give the impression that recommendations are based on science, but a deep look at some studies reveal that science is more like smoke and mirrors. And sometimes the data supporting the recommendations so flimsy that another study in a few years will come along and overturn the first study completely, flipping the advice 180 degrees. And I know when I was a baby, my mom learned that babies should sleep on their stomach. And then when I had my kids, the advice was back is best. So the advice is always changing. Before Kate was born, we bought this really, really thick book um, about raising babies, and um, we read it, and we like highlighted stuff, and we put post-it notes in it. And Kate was like two days old when I was like looking at Nick crying, like, "Why were the books wrong? Like, where is the answer to this problem?" Um, it's hard. You, there's no way you can prepare for any given moment. And again, a lot of the science behind certain things changes um, every few decades. But my favorite part of motherhood is that it offers community. It, community helps answer those big questions that I don't have any kind of clue about. God created us to flourish, and we flourish when we're in community. Um, back to our scripture, Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Jesus created us to live in community. It's how he taught his disciples to gather and eat together. And the verse goes on to say, and every day they continued to do this, and their numbers grew. And it's how the church was formed, when people got together, and they ate a meal together, and they shared life together. Um, John R. Gillis says, through human history, motherhood has been seen as a set of tasks that can be accomplished by many types of people, like relatives and neighbors. Anthropologists call them alloparents, allo simply meaning other. Okay, 150 years ago, houses were built much bigger, and it wasn't just the immediate family that lived in it. You lived with your extended family, and you counted on other people to help raise your children. You had allo other parents who stepped inside, kind of where the um, it takes a village saying came from. We're not meant to parent alone. I truly believe we're meant to do it alongside other people. Um, as we became parents, I realized that my goal, one of my main goals, was to teach my children who Jesus is and his love for them. And I knew that there was no way that I could do that on my own. I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge or resources just to, by myself, make sure that my kids understood how deeply Jesus loved them. And so we started looking for a church home. And it was my very first Mother's Day. Um, Kate was just a few months old. It was our first time to ever come to Acts 2. It was a jump start to find a church home where we could come and we could find people who could help teach Kate how much Jesus loved her. And now, eight years later, I look back and I'm amazed at how much God formed my life from that first moment, how he formed me individually as a mom and how as a family we've changed. There's a picture of me and Kate after um, coming to church on our first Mother's Day. She no longer wears bows. It's kind of disappointing. <laughs> um, I love the podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, and she interviewed Beth Moore. It was one of the first podcasts of hers I'd ever listened to, and I will forever remember this prayer that she said that she prayed for her children every day. She said that they, she prays that they'll love Jesus. Everything else will work itself out. That will cover it all. They will be obedient to him. Even if they fail and stumble, they will get back to him. 
So we found Acts 2, and we joined and began to meet people in the community. And um, I began um, helping in children's programming. Our family would come to the 915 service, and then Nick would take Kate home, and I would stay, and I would teach at 1045. Um, And as I've transitioned into this role as children's director, I wanted to take some time to let you know about the dream that I have for our children's programming, dreams for my kids and for your kids and all the kids in our community. This is the um, children's statement, or the children's mission statement for X2. It says, we believe it is our mission to equip and assist families in laying spiritual foundations with the hope that all children will come to know, love, and follow Jesus. Now, this was in place before I became the children's director, and I just thought it was amazing that the mission of the program that I was um, going to lead fell um, perfectly in line with how much I wanted it to reflect what was happening in my children's lives. So I feel like we can, um, we can live out this mission in three ways. And the first one is by volunteers. There's research that says that if a teacher, when a kid walks into a classroom, if the teacher knows the kid's name and knows something about that kid, that that kid is more likely to open up and share things with the teacher. Um, there's um, tons of people who in my life was this role, who were volunteers in my youth group that I had a relationship with. And once I left high school, I continued to be in contact with them. They're the ones who showed up for wedding showers and baby showers, and who I know are still continuing to pray for my family this day. I have a great picture of two of our awesome children's volunteers. Um, This was from VBS this summer. But people who are um, consistently in our children's life, it makes a difference. On any Sunday, it takes 12 people, 12 individuals to run children's programming. We need six volunteers at 915 and six volunteers at 1045. And when we have those consistent volunteers, they know kids' names. They know um, that they have a baseball game happening that week. And the next Sunday, they can ask them how that baseball game was. And it makes such a difference and impacts the child's life in huge ways. Through volunteers, I feel like you form relationships. I want my kids to know that there are other adults in their life that they can trust and they can go to in moments where maybe I'm not available or they don't want to talk to me about something. Um, Through those volunteers, they form the relationships, and then those relationships last for forever. Here's a picture of my youth director growing up with three of my siblings. Um, And after... I graduated, I stayed in contact with him, and he was always somebody that I could go to and I could confide in and I knew had my best interest at heart. Um, We continued um, growing through high school and then through college, and then he ended up uh, marrying Nick and I once we got married, and he's still someone that I talk to and I can reach out and ask him to pray for something for me, Um, and I know um, he's constantly lifting our family up in prayer. And finally, I want our kids to have a firm foundation. When um, my family started consistently going to church, I was in the ninth grade. And by then, all the other kids who had been in the programming through elementary school, they knew those big Bible stories. They knew um, Jonah and the whale and Daniel and the lion's den. And while I learned those stories, I was learning them from a perspective of how that 
um, how they grew and how their situation pertained to another topic that maybe we were learning about. But I didn't have that just basic knowledge of these big stories. So I want our children to know those big Bible stories. I want them to know what the books of the Bible are, the Old Testament, the New Testament. I want them to know the Lord's Prayer so that as they grow up and they get to youth, they have that foundation of just that basic information um, that they're going to need to know. Um, and even at any given point, anytime I've had a hard week in motherhood, I know that there are other people around me that I can reach out to um, who can help me, who can help my kids. I had a particularly hard um, season a few years ago, and um, one morning a friend just reached out to me and she said, you know, I'm doing this Bible study and I heard this prayer and I wanted to share it with you because I think it pertains to what you're going through. And the prayer started with how freeing it is to know that I am not enough for my kids. We're not enough, but we know that God loves our children more than we could ever fathom. He somehow loves them more than we do and that he's not expecting us to parent on our own. He is going to help us, and he's going to lift us up, and he's going to lift our kids up, and he's going to provide people in our lives, those aloe parents, those other parents, who can help parent alongside us as we go through all the trials and tribulations that motherhood brings. And so that brings us to our action steps this week. Desmond Tutu says that laughing and crying are the same thing. Laughing just feels better. So this week, try and laugh at yourself. Okay, those moments where you're stressed or you think there's nothing good that can come out of it, try and just taking a step back and laugh and don't take life too seriously. And second, find your people, create community, invite someone over for dinner this week. Because when we're gathered around the table, we can be ourselves and we can have fun and we can laugh. And when we're in that community gathered around the table, it's when we flourish. Now, if you will pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Will you all show your appreciation to Megan?